0: Good evening, glad everybody's here that's here, you're welcome, and if you're visiting, we hope you'll come back again, and you're always welcome, and we're just glad that we can gather together in freedom, be blessed by God in this great fellowship we have here at this congregation. We are doing a series on uh, seeing God through Jesus. The reason we're a little bit late tonight is because of me. I took a nap. A little nap. And I thought everything was good with my slides and nothing was good with my slides. I am computer challenged. But anyway, I'm so thankful we have some very able people around here who can sort of fix my mess. Tonight we want to talk about seeing God through Jesus' servanthood. When you think about God, you probably think of a lot of things. Sometimes we make the equation of father and son, you know, in the earthly realm, and uh, that has some shortcomings. I was thinking about, uh, recently I saw a John Madden thing. How many of you know who John Madden is or was? Okay, most of you. He was a, a coach for the the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. And I was a Denver Broncos fan, still am, of course. I had to slip that in. I don't know why. But I never liked the Raiders, and I didn't like him at all because he was the coach of the Raiders. But he was an excellent coach. After he quit coaching, he was a commentator, a cover op- commentator for NFL football games. And I loved him as that. He just made me laugh, and I just... Was endeared to him, and I just enjoyed all his sounds and his grunts and all that kind of stuff he would do, and the booms and the and the five you no know, the eight turkey legs on a turkey at Thanksgiving and all those great things he did. It was it's like this is awesome. Well, they did this uh, documentary on him, and he had his sons on that. They they interviewed his sons. One of his sons said, "This isn't exactly a quote, but he said." I have always been known as John Madden's son. And he just paused and he looked and he said, and that's good enough for me. And I thought about that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And I can see that as, as for us with God, we should, we should be the type of people who say, I'm just glad. If I can just be known as God's son, that's good enough for me. But when it comes to God the Father and Jesus the Son, uh, there's a little difference between, you know, the human relationship. My dad and I don't look alike. My dad is gone now, but he was a little shorter and bald-headed and had a a bigger stomach than me. And uh, he was really good at shooting baskets, and I never have been. He liked to make people laugh, and I liked to make people cry. And so... You know, and my dad was a farmer and I can't grow a garden for nothing. You know, I mean, Carol, sort of, but me, nothing. I can't, I'm just not like my father exactly. I'm not an exact representation of my earthly father. But Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father. And tonight we want to look at His servanthood in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Philippians 2. 5 through 8 is the main text, but we'll read more than that. I'm going to go to this slide earlier, but we need to understand that uh, Jesus is deity. We've had lessons about that, and I hope that you all believe that. Sometimes people struggle with that. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being. And the world became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. When you think about the characteristics of God, you probably think of some of these on the screen. I love to talk about the power of God. I like to preach about the power of God. I like to preach about the holiness of God and the glory of God. We can think about the eternal God, the just God, the self-existent God, the I Am, the sovereign God, the faithful God. God knows everything. God is present everywhere. I mean, you cannot close the door in your closet and hide from Him. I don't care if you're here or in Africa. He's there. There's so many things about God that are amazing, Beyond amazing. We know that God is a wrathful God. We know He is a God of love. He's a good God. He's gracious. You can add on things. But there's, usually in that list, you do not find servant. These qualities and attributes of God and God's nature make us want to worship Him. It should make us have the need to worship Him and to bow down before Him and to obey Him, to fear Him. But the surprise characteristic of God is, seen in Jesus who emptied himself, taking on the form of a bond servant. Let's look at the text. I'll read in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind maintaining the same law of united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we should all say, Amen. And as I read through that text, I think he says, for this reason, verse 9, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that everybody should bow down before. And every tongue should confess. What's the reason that Jesus created the world? That's not in the context. What's the reason that, that Jesus has been God for eternity? That's not, the, that's not the specific. The reason that every knee shall bow is because Jesus became a servant. I've never really thought about that. But in, you put this together, he had found a appearance of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. And for this reason... God highly exalted him, and when, everybody, when he comes back, every knee shall bow. And God says, this is the main reason. Because he came to serve you and serve me. No doubt all of God's attributes are worthy of praise. And Jesus is worthy of all our praise for all that he is. So Jesus existed in the form of God. It's God's as God's nature, his inward qualities, basically saying he is God. So when he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, it does not mean he didn't have any qualities of God on the earth. It means he relinquished some qualities that he was divinely his. He refused to hold on to his divine rights, like calling legions available, angels if he wanted to. He didn't do it. He did not use his own divine power or rights for his own benefit while he was on this earth. He was still God, and he did not deny that he was God. Read the Scriptures. In John chapter 10, verse 3, there's one that says, I and the Father are one. So, I mean, there's other scriptures we could talk about too. I had something here. Let's see if I can find it. Um, John eight fifty eight. If you have your Bible, turn to John eight 58. I'm a little bit out of sorts because my slides were out of sorts. And, and 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 all the way here, I was like running late. And I was just like, my heart was going, I'm going to be late. I'm the preacher. I can't be late. And, and I had my slides on the... Thing, and I'm pulling the driveway and I see a motorcyclist running dr- driving in front of me and he gets up off his he stands up on his motorcycle and he does this and he's doing this right here in front of our building and I'm like what my mind's blown and so if I messed up that's his fault and mine okay so anyway where was I so <clears throat> John 8 yeah I, I'm not even there but see that was a that was a tactic to hold you off. John 8, but it held me off. I love all the scriptures in John that talks about the I am's. And and we've had these texts many times. And I know Caleb has brought this out a lot in some of his sermons, but in verse 58 of John chapter 8, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. So he is saying, I am God. I'm deity. So he never denied... Who he was. I am deity. But so he emptied himself temporarily of his heavenly eternal riches. You know, I mean, I don't even know what all God and Jesus have up there. I don't know. I don't even know what you have. I know some of the things you guys have, but I don't know everything you have, but I don't know everything God has. But he gave up that heavenly glory. To be a fleshly person. In 2 Corinthians 8 9, you see the verse there, though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And it's really not talking about so much he didn't because he didn't have, you know, some hundred dollar bills in his pocket. It's the poverty that he had leaving heaven. Of his unique and intimate face-to-face relationship he gave that up in the the heavenly realm to fulfill God's plan of redemption. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he takes on the form of a bondservant. And what's a bondservant? A slave. Somebody who is at the will of their master. And so he takes on that form. And so, here's the deal. Well, let me just go ahead and read this. You can read it too. But everything a a bondservant had belonged to the master. He didn't own anything. Slaves, buried or carried other people's burdens. Isaiah 53, 6 says, The Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. So what kind of burdens did Jesus come to bear? He was a servant to other people. That's what slaves did. Jesus came to do His Father's will and to serve the needs of other people. He waived waived His rights as the Son of God to, to become a bondservant. He's not faking it. This isn't a a show. If you think the cross is a show, you're really messed up. That's not a show. He came not to be served, but to serve, he says in Matthew 20, verse 28, and to give his life a ransom for many. And then soon after that, Jesus said this at the Last Supper to his disciples, I am among you as one who serves. And that's in the context of everybody saying, hey, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Right? Jesus says, well, the servant is. Let's just read that together. Luke chapter 22. It'll be better for us to look at it instead of me just glaze over it. Luke 22. Starting with verse 24. There arose also a dispute among them as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. He said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it is not this way with you, but the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? but I am among you as the one who serves. Turn your Bible over to John 13, please. John 13. Another context of the Lord's Supper. And you are familiar with this, but let's read it together and be reminded of the servitude of Jesus. Let's just start at verse 5. Then he poured water into the basin. Well, i, I got to back up. I'm sorry. Verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that, he had, and that he had come forth from God and was going to go back to God, he got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. And then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with the towel which he, with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, "Lord, do you wash my feet?" Jesus answered and said to him, "What I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter." And Peter said to him, "Never shall you wash, never shall you wash my feet." And Jesus answered him, "If I do not wash you, you have no part with me." Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, who is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. That story is always amazing to me. The fact that he knew that Judas was going to betray him, and he still washed his dirty feet. And when we see that story, I want you to be reminded, who is washing the feet? This is the creator of the world. This is he who has lived from eternity past to eternity forward. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he is on his knees washing dirty, stinky feet and even the one who's going to betray him. So what that needs to be for us is a lesson. I mean, have you ever... Oops, I don't know what I did. Have you ever seen a king or a president wash somebody else's feet? Have you? I've seen... Uh, on TV, a couple of times, a president going to help feed somebody at Thanksgiving, right? They go and they all the press is there, all taking pictures as the president takes the, the tray and he goes over and he gives it to somebody, and woohoo! He's a servant. And I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. It's a good, it's a good look to serve. But this is the king of kings washing dirty feet. Jesus said, let's continue reading. Verse 12. When He had washed their feet and taken His garments and reclined at the table again, He said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call Me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you forget them. No, do them. So God became in the likeness of men all the attributes of a man I mean, he looked real. looked like a real baby, right? He had uh, all the real diapers, real stuff that had to be changed. A real human being, which is incredible for us to think about. He was human and he grew up. Jesus is the Son of God and he had to be flesh in order to be crucified on the cross but He also had to be God on that cross to make this thing work. Serving our most critical needs. We needed to be holy, we need to be forgiven, and we need salvation. As mentioned earlier, Jesus could have used His divine authority to call legions of angels to help. Here's the deal. <laughs> Does he really need to call angels? It's it's in the text. He could have called them, but he doesn't need to. We're talking about God himself. He doesn't need the angels to help him. If he wanted to, he could have just done it. That is the God of the cross. He could have taken care of it Himself if He wanted to. But He didn't do it because that's not what He came to do. Because God and Jesus want to teach us a lesson. We learn it as Jesus washed feet. We learn it as Jesus sacrificed Himself on the cross. He served Himself up on the platter of the cross, I said there. The perfect sacrifice. And praise be to the Lamb. The Lamb of God. I want to read a scripture in Revelation. Revelation five. I just can't leave it alone. Verse twelve. Well, there's a lot of things we could talk about here and read, but verse eleven. When then I looked. I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. With a loud voice saying. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in him I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. As I mentioned in, in Philippians chapter two, why is every knee going to bow? Because he was the lamb that was slain. Okay, so Jesus was God in the flesh and he was a servant. We're supposed to imitate him as much as we can, right? But this is one thing you cannot Im- imitate about Jesus. You cannot imitate, you cannot follow His example to be the salvation of anybody else. You cannot redeem anybody else. But what you can do is act like the Redeemer in the earthly form, or I can do, and we can try to lead people to the Redeemer. Back to Philippians So we see this servanthood and that's just the short short of it. We could talk more about it. See, it's not my night. At least the batteries didn't jump out. Okay, here we go. But actually it is my night because I've been saved. How about you? The Lamb of God... We cannot follow his example to redeem mankind, but we can do this. Where the rubber meets the road or the practical application of this text is, we already read it. We already read it. The the part where you say, okay, John, that's awesome. We're going to confess his name. He served me. I can have salvation through him. But what now do I need to do? Number one, if you're not a Christian, you need to repent, turn your life around, be baptized into Christ. And why do you delay? There's nothing on the other side except hell, and damnation. For those of us who've been baptized into Christ, the what to do after this point is seen in this text in part. There's other places, but here in the in the context, we need to strive for unity. We need to have love and maintain it. And verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Aren't we a self-centered people? (laughs) I'm not saying you specifically, you know. But human nature, aren't we self-centered people? And it's that way, it can be that way for Christians as well. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. We see that in Jesus, right? Who's the one that put on the or took off his clothes and washed the feet? He's the most important. He's the one that should have been served. He's the one that should have had his feet washed. Sometimes we can feel that way. Well, I'm the one, you know, I I deserve this, or I ought to be the one that sits at the head of the table. I ought to be the one that's invited over. I ought to be the one that does this. I ought to be the one that does this. Stop it. Our interest should be in other people, and I included. I need to feel that way. Have this attitude. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. This is the last slide, by the way. Our God is the God who washes feet and the God who washes our sins away. Both of those are acts of service. So worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. This evening, if you have not been allowed Jesus to serve... you, Remember when uh, Peter said, oh no, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. I think in part he was saying, looking ahead, if you don't allow me to wash your sins away, you have no part with Jesus. There may be some here today that say, I'm not going to be baptized. You are not allowing the servant, Jesus, to wash your sins away. He's here to serve. And that's amazing that a God of creation (laughs) would do such service for us. If you need to be baptized, please do that. If you need to turn turn your life around, please do that. If you know that you've been self-centered, you're not serving other people, and you think you're the most important thing, change your attitude. Have this attitude that Jesus had for us. We're going to sing a song now. Let's stand together. We can help you? Let us know.